0: It's time for a little something. I forget. My notes say I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black, and I'm here with Niall McGowan from Bat Minute, and it's time to discuss Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But they're erasing me, and I have no memory of any of this. So
1: We've actually done this episode several times already, Robert, but, uh, you know, weren't great takes.
0: Apparently I didn't save the files, or I took the (laughs) files to Lacuna that uses objects they could erase. Oh.
1: That is always the looming threat though in doing a podcast is like the those files go missing. Thankfully it's never happened to me in terms of like we had to go and re-record on my end. Oof. I have had to re-record because of other people <laughs> losing files.
0: I had a show die because we didn't re-record.
1: Oh wow. It was the wow.
0: second episode, an hour and a half recording and my my co-host audio was gone oh
1: wasn't the wonderful show was it it was fast.
0: it was oh no and then it was that was right at the beginning of lockdown and everything just got different and i'm like i can't deal with that right now maybe it'll come back at some point
1: uh, i was looking forward to that too It's like i love that show but no one right? ever talks about it and it's like it's, it's like oh finally finally a podcast with the Wonderfalls fans i'm like no it's barely gone
0: now it died in the uh, who was, I forget who the guest was now, but his audio was great. And ours was just not there.
1: As prematurely cut down as the show wonderful. itself, yeah, I think. We got canceled faster than they did. <laughs> yeah but the oh yeah <laughs> eternal sunshine yes of the
0: spot, that's what we do this minute as we talk about everything else hmm. not the movies that are here <laughs> where are we there they're, they're oh, they got off the train finally they're in the car hmm. which I talked about the filming of this last time there's basically three people in the back seat and two cameras that the mags are so big they had to put them out the windows and box them in Yeah, because they filmed the whole scene in one go this
1: is kind of rare for me coming back this is the first time i've had to talk about jim carrey since we wrapped batman forever ah, yeah. like it's like he's a fascinating man jim carrey he's yeah like everything about it i'm certain he's not entirely sane oh right like no he's not yeah he's just such he's just very interesting and his projects are always so interesting too there's so many duds and there's so many sort of like half-ass comedies and stuff there's always a motivation behind them mm-hmm. to him. And he does have a weird like, you know, you have like auteur theory in terms of like a director is choosing yeah. projects to follow a certain theme and stuff. Yeah. Looking into his his work, it's like, yeah, there's always stuff in there about like media.
0: Especially the more influence he had to choose.
1: Yeah. Man, yeah, like identity manipulation yep. and all this kind of stuff. It's like yeah, He does have a real eye. And it's because now he's brought out his book recently as well, which is also yeah. messing with narrative and yep. all this kind of stuff. It's like he's a fascinating guy. I'll give him
0: that. And now he spends his days painting gigantic paintings, yeah, and putting them yeah. on Twitter. <laughs>
1: I mean, if you can afford to do it, that,
0: right? you can afford that to be your life. I mean, I wrote about that in my blog when I did Jim and Andy. Oh, Over the yeah. course of a week of writing about that movie, I went from being horribly fascinated by Jim Carrey to hating him and thinking he was a horrible piece of shit guy yeah. to being like fascinated again.
1: Yeah.
0: This isn't even mean to say he is a damaged person.
1: Yes. Oh, very well. He knows
0: it and he has dealt with it through comedy. Mm. He has dealt with it through drugs. And now he deals with it basically um, well still drugs probably but different drugs but also a sort of you know when he went on was it the mtv video awards i think where he came on in like almost in character Mm. felt like the guy from the doors (laughs) that is who he has become he's like this weird hippie guy yeah i mean he wrote a children's book about a wave
1: Mm. in the
0: ocean yeah and how it's ultimately just part of the ocean Mm. and i'm like. That's a weird topic to give kids, but I get what you're doing with that. Like, yeah. I see who you are.
1: The MTV movie, well, that was the one where he, on the red carpet, he was just sort of started getting into sort of like existential conversations about how well right? meaningless, meaningless, it was, meaningless it all was and stuff. That's like,
0: like, regardless of any offense you took to what I just said, Jim, if you hear this, please come on the show. Cause I would love that.
1: Well, that was the thing too. I, I remember we had so, you know, wide range of guests on talking about him during batman forever Mm -hmm. and yeah we got people on like oh fuck this guy this one and it was all from jim and andy (laughs) like it was all right and you're like yeah that was like pretentious demented you know uh, method acting gone way too far and stuff like that but
0: then for him it's more than that because it's like he it's not like it was method acting. It was something he found some level beyond that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because the way his brain works.
1: And the fact that he appears in the documentary with like this mountain man beard. Yeah. And he just seems sort of like, he's just t- talking about like the cosmos and stuff. And you're like, uh-huh. oh, Jim, you're gone, man. <laughs> like you're just, you're on a whole other level now. You've You've just like you've gone somewhere i can't follow
0: i'll have him on here and we can just talk about ex machina and groundhog day yeah. i don't need him to talk about this movie whatever <laughs> we can talk about his kids book i'll promote that
1: i was actually generally i did not know until getting ready for this well how i spent part of my lockdown was like i was stuck in a house by myself for like a month at the beginning of it mm. and what i did was like i'm finally gonna watch the michelle gondry jim carrey tv show kidding and i love oh yeah it. yeah and it was like you know weird time to watch it because it's such a melancholy show and yes. it's so kind of weirdly depressing but it's also like it's great I loved it and I assumed oh this will be like it's obviously it's good and I remember people saying they liked it and stuff this will be back and it's just like it's just because of the pandemic that's why it's not the third season landed right. and then found out it was cancelled in 2020 like nearly two years ago yep. and I only now found out that it's not it hit me I'm like oh, oh man <laughs> that's gone I, I was waiting for the rest of it that was that show. That very deeply personal to Jim Carrey. Like you can yeah. tell that he's very, very invested in that role. Yes. And uh, him and Michelle Gondry, like, has a real labor love between the two of them. I was like, that's devastating now to find out that those two guys just can't continue that. That's just gone. I was like, oh
0: man. Even in retrospect, I feel like the Truman Show was even a bigger like personal choice of his because him dealing with how his reality is generally artificial yeah because he's an actor and he's been on tv and mm. people expect him to be a certain person and if he's not that's a problem yeah that's
1: just all it really goes into like you know the, the the first major folly of jim carrey been the cable guy yeah that's just like you look at the cable guy now though it's just like that's saying so much about this guy as an act the fact that he yep. chose that script and stuff as it, and that really works coming off Batman Forever because that's so into like the manipulation, you know, how TV can yep. warp people and all this kind of stuff. That's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he's he's a he, the Jim Carrey is interesting. That is the point yeah. I'm trying to make. Oh yeah. Apparently, also too, this I'm assuming it's gonna be for a upcoming Super Bowl spot, but I saw he is reviving the cable guy. For like an advert.
0: huh. The Super Bowl, which as we're recording, is in just in a few days. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we'll find out. Listeners, you'll know. I was gonna think, oh, it's gonna be really interesting to see what they do with it. It's gonna be like it's just a it's just a cash in <laughs> cable cache. Yeah. There's nothing to it. Cable guy.
0: No thanks. I don't need cable. I have Verizon 5G internet.
2: Five G internet? I've never heard of it.
0: 5G ultra-wideband? It's way better.
2: (laughs) Oh, I see. So somehow, your home is connected to the information superhighway on Verizon's ultra-fast 5G network wirelessly. Yeah. Magically beaming, powerful, invisible internet into some sorcerer's box without miles and miles of this. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, right. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, right. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah, right. Wait! Can I see it? Sure. Whoa. They must have locked you into quite a contract. Nope. Hidden fees? I love those. Nope. Price is the price. This may be illegal. And you could spend time in a correctional facility. I'm gonna need to know who installed this.
0: Me. It's plug and play. But you can have Verizon install it.
2: Nice van. Well, let me juice you up at work.
0: Got one at my shop, too. Runs my business. <laughs>
2: Reception's good, but I'll come back tomorrow and double check. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, oh, no, I don't think we no, will need you to
2: come. I'm sorry. I can't hear you. I have my fingers in my ears. No,
0: no, 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 They did that groundhog commercial. What, last year
1: mm, and they got the, the matthew broderick ferris bueller one yep. a couple of years back that did not go down well in ireland because i was like oh, they, oh he's selling the guy who killed people in a car wreck is now selling cars oh great great choice matthew
0: <laughs> so just get jim carrier for a uh selling drugs that you can share with your girlfriend <laughs> Oof,
1: oh. Oof, that went dark <laughs> there you go Speaking of cars, uh, we're in a car in the the beginning. I'm assuming, though, like beyond Jim, though, he kind of had already done it in the Truman show of playing against type where, although that's almost the Truman show is almost like the epitome of of Jim Carrey role, really. But it's like
0: at the time, it felt different.
1: Looking back now, it's like, oh, no, he's still going very broad with this. But it felt then like, you know, Eternal Sunshine was like a whole nother level of this guy going somber. it felt like it's almost like there's no performance but it's so naturalistic and it feels like that's part of like the i don't want to say stunt casting of it yeah. but then like would you say the same about like kate winslet coming on would you feel that to be like what people know kate winslet from like the greatest romance the the biggest movie ever made
0: yeah so most people would know her from at this point yeah
1: and it's like oh this great beautiful thing that won the hearts of the world and now she's playing like that's what I love about Eternal Sunshine and just about Charlie Kaufman's work in general. He has this real thing of going into quirky, fantastical stuff, but it's also really grounded in depressing reality yep. <laughs> and real deep melancholy. Yes. And it's always just that way of like, oh, it seems like it's going to be really goofy and fun. <laughs> and I was like, no, it is not.
0: And it sort of is each time too. It just, he combines both yeah. really well.
1: Yeah. At this point, when I saw this first, because I would have been, it was 2004, right? So I would have been like seven, 16, 17 when this came out. And I was looking forward to it, too, because I just knew I knew being John Malkovich. But I think at that point, it hadn't quite sunk in yet. That like that wasn't a fluke that that being John Malkovich kind of ends in a weird, depressing note and stuff. And then like right, it was right. very gray and washed out. And there was a kind of an inherent melancholy behind it. I just remember seeing all these images of Kate Winslet with the multicolored hair, yeah, and thinking like, "This is gonna be fun."
0: Oh yeah, and the trailer for this movie is bright and shiny, and there's music playing. It's energetic, yeah, yeah. And then you watch the movie, and it's like, "But that's sad." Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think after all, I watched it, I was like, "I remember it didn't come out in a, in a cinema anywhere near my town because it was just too niche." I just remember waiting for the video rental and like running down from school. To be like, I've got to be it. It's out. It's out, out today. And then getting home and been like, Oh, that was much more <laughs> depressing than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but then loving it as well. I was like, No, oh, it's just it was it was it was different. And then yeah. again, much like Ex Machina and The Fairground Day, every time you go back, you're like, Oh, there's so much more in this. And the older you get, yep. the more you get out of it. And like once you, like you know, a sixteen-year-old, I know anything <laughs> about anything.
0: My thing going through it this time like minute by minute is more seeing the stuff they cut out. Yeah. Cause there's so much more of their conversation in the train. It's long enough, but there's more of it with the hair color conversation and him trying to offer new suggestions to that. Like he offers like three Mm. in the script and like, he's trying to engage while also being unable to engage. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's with like the way he's engaging with Clementine, I think because of your expectations of everything in the movie, like, Of what a romantic comedy is And what Jim Carrey is like Right It's almost frustrating That he's so like Awkward Yeah So like Just not really talking And you're like Why would Just 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 talk, man. Let's do something.
0: Well, yeah, at this point in the movie, we haven't gotten the title on screen yet. It comes rather late. Mm. And it comes when we do a smash cut to him just crying as hard as possible in his car.
1: (laughs) It's a real mission statement, really.
0: And it is so jarring. It's like, if you haven't figured out what this movie is going to be by then, you know, at that moment, you're in for a lot more than you expected.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And not necessarily in a good way. It's going to be depressing.
1: I'm happy that its legacy is good. Yes. I've never come across someone who watched it who was like, that was terrible. Everyone was like eventually won over by it.
0: (laughs) I sort of had that several weeks ago with Alice, but I'll get her to come back and I'll make her watch it again.
1: (laughs) What was she going in expecting it to be like, oh, yeah, goofball, crazy. Maybe, Maybe that
0: was the problem. I don't know. That's the conversation I'll have to have with her if I get her back is what was it that didn't work? Mm. Because, yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorite movies. I love it. And like rewatching it, even though it's sad and depressing. And I mean, it's the point of this trilogy of shows (laughs) is existential thing. (laughs) You're going to do this shit. You're going to have a type. It doesn't matter if it's the same person again. Mm. It matters that you keep going for the same type of person. Yeah. Yeah, and you need to learn to either accept that or change yourself to make it fit. Mm.
1: Something about it too is like it's like I'm sure it's a thing you can't have. You know, you'll be impossible not to bring up several times. But just like even you know the way in this minute, Clementine's just talking like little things you get about her. Like she's you know, would you want to come in for a drink? I got a lot lot of drinks, drinks. Yeah, which is kind of like it's tipping the cards of like. She's kind of like an alcoholic, almost in a lot of ways, yep. and it's a major character flaw. In that, like, you know, this is the thing she's using to lure in Joel, but it's also a thing that he's actually going to really resent her for. Like he resents her her constant yeah. drinking and stuff. But that's how she yep. that's how she loops him in. But it's just the fact that it's like they present this character who is like. You know, and uh, this came out like what eight years before Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And Scott Pilgrim's like, like, it's this all oh, the, you know, Ramona Flowers is like, oh, yeah, the dream girl with the multicolored hair. And, you know, she, if only he could win her heart, this would complete him as a, you know, all this kind of thing. Right. And this movie, not knowing, <laughs> is like sending up that trope before it even happened. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Her thesis statement very late in the film is basically, no, you can't, I'm not going to complete yeah. you. Yeah. I'm a person. Mm. Like, I am damaged. I am cra- like, I wouldn't say crazy. She would, but that's what he's going to like because his life sucks. <laughs>
1: It's just more like the fair to like the original comics of Scott Pilgrim. There's much more to Ramona. And he, even in the movie, yeah. she does mention, you know, I've dabbled in being a bitch. Like she's, she's full on amidst her own faults. It's, it's all his <laughs> own. It's just Scott's projections all over. Basically yeah. there's much more to her than he sees.
0: And most of this movie is literally that it's his projection of what Clementine. Of course.
1: Is. Yeah. Cause a lot of the time How he remembers her. some of the time when watching it, you are like the time you spend with Clementine is his it's Joel really he's talking to yeah. is his memory of yep. a version of clementine he's made up so you're like isn't it what is, what is the because the clementine we see out in reality is like post lacuna erratic and stuff and it's right. like how, what is right. she like to actually talk to
0: and we don't know
1: yeah that's yeah, weird
0: probably the purest reference we'd have to what she's really used to be like is when she just sits by him and grabs his chicken <laughs> which is similar to who she is here but it's more pleasant or less She's almost attacking him here when she offers that she's, you know, I came off sort of nuts or I have a lot of drinks. Like she's openly telling him horrible things about herself because if he's still into it, she's got it. But it's a, that's a weird method.
1: I love though. The character is so openly flawed though. Yeah. Particularly because we're going through a a part of um, in media where there's much more understandable, like, oh, there's push for, you know, diversity and representation on screen. Right. I love it. But a lot of it is still written by male writers, yeah, and they usually—I, I always feel that they're afraid to make their female characters flawed because they don't want to be accused of being like sexist in some way, right? So you get a lot of like, just the woman's always like this infallible, just knows better than the men, and is just sort of like always comes across very one note, you know, in, particularly in action movies. Well, all,
0: if they're trying to make it good, yeah, you also get the classic one where no, the woman is just some object the man wants,
1: yeah. But particularly in like action movies it's always like who's going to be the stoic badass it's going to be the woman and she always not this kind of thing and then but the, you know back here with charlie kaufman just like yeah you know joel's very very broken flawed character and clementine is a very very broken flawed person and right. i love that it's like yep yeah, the character only gets better with age too it's just like yes yeah, she's she's that's a great role like that's, that's yeah. a, it's a real dream like both of these roles to be fair like you know Clementine's the more flashy role. Yeah. But Joel is also like, that's, that's a dream part for an actor, really. Like the, oh, yeah. the people this messed up.
0: As for the minute, we haven't dealt much with the specifics. She's in his car. She says, look, I'm sorry if I came off sort of nuts. So I'm not really. Mm. Oh, it's okay. I didn't think you were. <laughs> in, in the script, it says there's a silence. She broods. Clementine. Well, I am okay. Mm. She points to house me. He pulls over and she says, thanks very much. That was very nice of you. And he says, oh, well, I wouldn't want to be nice. Mm. And she replies, and I love this. She's like, Jesus, I'm full of shit. I already told you that. (laughs) Anyway, see you. Happy Valentine's Day.
1: Again, for all the fantasticalness in the movie. I've had that conversation where you realize you keep describing things as being nice and stuff, and you're like, why? why can't I think of a better word? Like, it becomes a frustrating circular thing of like, oh my god, is this is is this conversation now boring? Like, what am what am I? How do I get out of this stuff? It's it's this (laughs) dry is really really good. It just (laughs) capturing the misery of 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 awkward Uh conversation
0: of every bit of this. Yeah. (laughs) In the film, she's just quiet, and we cut to the exterior of her apartment building. 59 Orient Avenue in Brooklyn doesn't exist anymore. It's a different building now. And then we get an angle from inside the car on her and where she offers. Do you want to have a drink? I have lots of drinks, Mm. which she does. (laughs) When we get in there, she she has a whole bunch of little miniature bottles and Mm. full-size bottles. She's prepared to make drinks.
1: There's never anything... Like it's always spirits too. <laughs> it's like, it's always like yeah. hardcore drink. It's never like, Oh, I've got a ball of beer you can have. It seems right. to be like, it's going to be a drink. You're going to
0: get. And there's some awkward dialogue as he's not quite agreeing to go in. She says, "Never mind, Sorry. That was stupid. I'm embarrassed now. Mm. It's like, no, no, no. Good night, Joel. She closes the door and we smash up to him inside her apartment. She's <laughs> like, yeah, he's not going to go. Oh, wait. He went
1: you do get some music in the in the background. Yes. Have you made notes on the, yep. what, what what this music is?
0: Just a little bit. It is um, Merriman Terra Piazza. Mm. It's from the movie Gambler, 1971. The title is translated as My Mind Yearns for You. Mm. It's by Mohamed Rafi. Yeah. And in some lyrics I got, since I've seen you, my heart is not mine. Give your hand in my hand. You've nothing to lose. That repeats and then now don't break my desires, my heart is yours, my heart is yearning
1: for you. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: it's like the music that was playing in his car. It's very on the nose, but it is so quiet that listening you can't really make it out. Yeah.
1: I think it's originally it's in like an Indian dialect as well. So yeah. like unless you knew your exactly. <laughs> Although I do know Muhammad Rafi, because when I was a teenager and I went to university and stuff, I I hung with the alternative crowd. <laughs> and so I knew a lot of people who were kind of like Clementine and stuff. And then um... I, like much like myself, they all loved the movie Ghost World, ah, which I still yeah. do. If anyone knows Ghost World, of course opens with the Muhammad Rafi jean ha-ho. I'm not too sure how you pronounce it exactly, but right. the Thorberts dancing in their bedroom to this Bollywood film and stuff. Classic. I used to hear that every house party i I went to during <laughs> my twenties would have that stuck on at some point. And like, you know, at least a quarter of the time it was me putting it on. <laughs> so yeah, I was just happy to say, Oh Muhammad Rafi, got like, I know that guy. <laughs> And it also just added to it like, oh, Clementine playing that. So it's like, I know kind of people who would play Muhammad Rafi songs during the art of seduction. <laughs> I yeah. I was just wondering, like, how much more is it a deliberate choice of Clementine to put on that record to be like, I hope he asks about what this is. Or if it's just like she just stuck on any random music.
0: I don't know, because in the script, she asks him what he wants to listen to.
1: Ah, and as he's like, I would like to listen to a Muhammad what Rafi. He
0: put <laughs> on? Where's that? I think it doesn't happen until what would be next when it so I didn't put it in my notes.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. About Joel though, is like he does seem to have, like prior to being lacunid because of a thing that's brought up too when Clementine comes on and talks about the Blue Ruin. Yeah. I know that's a thing that they cut from the script. Yes. Where the Blue Ruin is, you know, it's always, it's a, you know, it's a clever little thing just by itself now because it's like, well these two people are blue and they're in right. ruins. <laughs> like they're literally the the remaining shells of post relationship and brainwashing so it kind of works in that regard. But it's a reference to on the train they were talking about the Tom Waits album right. Rain Dogs which has the what's the name of the song It's like uh Ninth and
0: Hannah Penny? Hannah
1: That does have a a lyric that specifically brings up The term blue ruin when the clang and the thunder of the Southern Pacific going by as the clock ticks out like a dripping faucet till you're full of rag water and bitters and blue ruin, which does, you know, a lot of the lyrics are evoking of people sort of lost and listless. And, uh, you know, again, kind of, you know, classic Tom Waits, Charles Bukowski, kind of like the melancholy of the everyday, basically perfectly fits into this movie. But the fact that like they, they were talking about like I think in the script, isn't it, that Clementine brings up the album?
0: It's her hair color, and so she references it's It's one of the things neither one of them remembers. Yeah. Because they know it's Tom Waits.
1: I think he says he owns the album, and he remembers enjoying it, but he doesn't remember right. anything about it.
0: Because it's something now they each connect to this relationship, and so they can't remember it. Yeah, yeah. And yet she's drinking it. You think she'd forget how to make Blue Ruins?
1: Well, that's the thing, though, as well. Like You wonder then... Because Joel's an artistic guy, like he's very, very quiet, reserved. But you see that he has, he has, you know, artistic. I think that's why Clementine's, that's her attraction to him is like he's very reserved, but he obviously has,
0: he clearly has something going on in his head. Yeah, she likes
1: it, and uh, so you wonder if if he's the Tom Waits fan. Or did she introduce? Oh Thomas yeah, those relationship. Or was it a mutual thing that they were both already Tom waits
0: I, fans, I guess but... if we, well, if we want to overthink it, overthinking it, <laughs> I'd say she had to introduce him to it because she still makes Blue Ruins, which means they haven't been removed from her head, which that's in her head before their relationship.
1: Ah.
3: He only
0: knew it maybe because of her. Well, there you go. Yeah, and so he can't really remember why he bought it. He can't remember listening to it. Mm. He doesn't get the reference.
1: Yeah. As I say, like I, I, I hung out with the alternative crowd, like the cool kids <laughs> back in the my university. I thing I never, never got Tom Waits. Like I've listened, I've listened to Tom, so much Tom Waits, <laughs> and it's always been like.
0: Nah, I know one of the years of The Wire they used his cover of the theme song, and I like that.
1: Oh, it's his, he did the original, oh, his, it's his it's original. original. Okay, it's a, it's a weird one. Like, yeah, the first season's a cover of a Tom Waits song, season to two, use, okay. they use the Tom That's Waits song, was. then season three and four and five, they do different covers.
0: But otherwise, yeah, I don't know if I could tell you the title of one of his songs.
1: Well, way down the hole, yeah. I guess i would be the only one. And uh, God's Away on Business, know that one also from Night on Earth is the. You know, great Jim Jarmusch movie he does the score for that as well he's just saying uh, I find I do find him impenetrable. right like he's, I love I love him as an actor and I like his image I love that he exists right but Tom wait I can never I know guys who sit down and will listen to Tom waits as, as a pleasure and I'm like I can't <laughs> I can't get I enjoy his instrumentation even actually I listened to the the song the ninth ninth mm. and hennepenny does it and the actual background instrumentation Sounds weirdly like some of the score of Eternal Sunshine. Huh. I don't know if that's a deliberate thing.
0: It maybe something they gave to the yeah to the composer.
1: And it was one of those things where we're like, oh well, and we took out the reference, but you know, it still right. works within the larger whole. But if I knew someone who was that into Tom Waits, I think I'd have trouble with the relationship too, quite frankly. <laughs> but it would be a real sticking point of like, oh
0: what Joel does put on, I did find it when he looks at her CDs, he picks up bang on a can performing brian eno's music for airports
1: Ooh, <laughs> that is that is some hipstery stuff which there uh, yeah the i'm
0: not i know i know the name brian eno but i'm like i don't know what that music is and i don't know bang on a can covering it so
1: i've seen brian eno give a lecture people don't know he is the keyboard player for roxy music produced a lot of Talking of heads albums real genius guy
0: which came up yesterday yeah yeah
1: he did like uh born slippy the big spinoff single from train spotting that's mm. brian eno Big name in music, but I, I remember I I got free tickets when I was in university actually to see him give a lecture, and we went in, and the amount of people who walked out because they thought it was a concert, oh. like they would keep they, they just realized it was him standing at a podium talking about the way he thought the future of music <laughs> and stuff, what, what the way things were gonna go, and then people were just like, what
0: the hell is that?
1: <laughs> they were there expecting to play like bringing Virginia, Virginia, they weren't there for a stuff.
0: TED talk, like, they were there for a show.
1: But yeah, he does a lot of uh, albums of just like ambient Mm, music right he's a real background atmosphere guy great stuff yeah imagine like putting on that record it would just be like
0: like put on some background noise for our date okay actually that'd be a good album name or a song name like background music for first date
1: yeah that could well be a brian eno track (laughs) to be fair that's the type of stuff he was doing like whether the um you did an album with David Byrne too, like My Life in the Bush with Wind and Ghosts or something. Nice. It was like, he gets into some stuff. It gets, it, it gets like, it's not as, it, I I can penetrate that more than I can Tom Waits, but it's, you know, some of it gets a bit too into the, <laughs> it gets a bit too into the bush with winds and ghosts. Well, for a movie Quite
0: called right. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, it's all appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever your titles are going to be.
1: It really shows you, like the Kaufman was—he was on the verge of all the synecdoche New York kind of oh, stuff, yeah. like back then. <laughs> but it was just, yep. something just pulled it back at the last second. But he could have been getting into some real, like, what the hell is this, <laughs> this kind of material? Because so that was a movie I, I watched that once, and I liked it. But I was like, I don't know if <sighs> I can ever do that again. <laughs>
0: That is the one of my like sort of it would be weird to do because I'd almost want to do it by myself again. Like I did Annihilation Yeah, is covering that minute by minute. Mm. But it is going to be so dense and depressing and overwhelming. And I'm like, if I could do it right, it would be amazing.
1: Yeah. And particularly do with um, I'm thinking of ending things. That one's like that's that was another one where I was like, I I, I enjoyed this but man, like that was like, particularly at the end it's like, that was rough. I don't even know what. Do
0: you ever I mean, see Anomalisa? Cause it's, it's shorter. So, you know, in oh, theory, actually, it's easier to watch, but <laughs>
1: I did I actually, did, I remember enjoying Anomalisa as well, but oh, I, I
0: love all of them, but yeah,
1: I remember that was the one with the, um, that's the animated one with the, and most of the voices are just the stop the, motion. Yeah. Yeah. this is the same guy doing all the voices, but yeah, a guys, he, he had a book out too, did Kaufman. he yep. I never, I feel that one might be a bit too much.
0: I have only read the first chapter of his book and it is essentially a professor explaining why he has a beard.
1: Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I would. Uh, and I was like,
0: I generally read if I'm reading a novel, I read it like at late at night before bed. And I'm like, this isn't a bedtime book.
1: Mm.
0: It's going to be a little much. And I'm like, I got to find another time to read this. And so I haven't gotten back to it yet. Yeah. It was interesting, but I'm like, <laughs> just like Jim Carrey's biography. I'm like, this is interesting, but I'm not ready for it.
1: Yeah but it's a movie is only a movie but like a book is like that could take weeks yep. of your life you know? exactly it's gonna be like that one's oh maybe That's maybe i would get into it maybe i approach it and i was like all right give me give me a, a good pitch for this book and i might delve in
0: it's like do you know uh alan moore's voice in the fire
1: oh yeah yeah
0: where chapter one is the perspective of a cave person so the sentence it's not proper english mm. and at first i was like i can't read this <laughs> I eventually read the chapter out loud and realized I understood it. It was like Shakespeare. You just have to hear it, mm. not try to comprehend it, hear it. And then it makes sense in a way. And, but I'm like, I, it, it, you're like actively trying to keep me out of your book. That's a, that's a lot.
1: He's like, you got to earn this book. you got to right. do it. I, work. There
0: are more friendly books I could read. <laughs> there are more friendly films I could watch.
1: I think you Al more than be just like, Oh yeah. You, you know, yeah. You go off, read one of the other. He's like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! I'll try. I'll try again. Okay.
0: No, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you go off and but read I, Dan I couldn't. Dare.
0: <laughs> I couldn't do it. I... Uh,
1: well, though, I think that Carrie's book's the same deal, though. Like his. Right. Yeah. So
0: because his book is a mix of real biography and fake stuff. And yeah, it's weird to get into.
1: I think that came out just as Forever was finishing, so it didn't get like I mm. no. I would have. I, I would have felt obligated to read that had we started it earlier. <laughs> or... or...
0: I'm, I'm yeah I think I finally have to read it while this show's gone
1: yeah this is it was annoying the end of forever that book came out and Val Kilmer's autobiography came out it's like could have used this like yeah eight months ago a little I late was <laughs> like, like oh Val Kilmer's got a documentary oh great yeah let <laughs> like, well that would have been handy <laughs> way back a year <laughs> ago
0: now sort of getting back to the minute I have a question for you oh yeah are these potato characters specific references
1: well that's the thing because like the cowgirl one, right, would make you think it must have something to do with the cowgirl outfit, young Clementine, right?
0: Probably. But it's a different outfit, yeah, it's I a checked. Slight,
1: yeah, yeah, it's a different, different colored hat, different colored shirt, and stuff.
0: And so then I thought maybe they were film characters mm. because the one with the really big hair and really skimpy outfit almost reminded me of Frankenfurter from yeah, Rocky, Rocky Horror. Horror.
1: Gee, it looks like it's got, it's like a it's got like nipple and,
0: tassels and stuff, right? And the Viking is like the classic Viking fat lady singing, yeah. Kind of outfit.
1: I kind of thought it was like a a Bugs Bunny thing as well. Right.
0: It could be. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Are these all outfits that Bugs Bunny wore? No, he never wore the dominatrix outfit that's at the end. Although
1: he even, he said that one was Frankenfurter because then there's a French maid next to... Yeah, there's a
0: maid next and to... And then
1: i be like magenta in Rocky Horror Show as well. Because had yeah, the, the maid okay. maid outfit.
0: So, so maybe. Yeah. But then I'm like, I don't know that I get all these. And I'm like, if they are, I'm disappointed that I don't get it. Because mm. they are a Viking woman, someone in like a 80s workout outfit with like leg warmers kind of thing. Someone who's in a robe and a towel on the head and a mask going like she just got out of the shower, yeah. getting ready for a date. The French maid and the one with big hair, a homeless person-ish, mm. the cowgirl, a nurse who's smoking a cigar, <laughs> and then one that looks like a dominatrix.
1: Yeah. I think it'd be like, is it all the various aspects, like various personas <laughs> yeah. that- This is
0: every part of her. Yeah. yeah. How did she keep these when she erased herself?
1: Huh. That was a question. Yeah.
0: Actually, I think later, don't we see she did make potatoes of them? I think they're in his objects.
1: Joel definitely does. He has two potatoes that you see them fleetingly, but they are. I have a new theory.
0: (laughs) These potatoes are every person she's dated.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually 100% okay with (laughs) with accepting that as then. That is, yeah.
0: It's like she dated a homeless guy at some point. You know, why not?
1: Every time they get Lacuna, too, it's like, <laughs> all right, take one more potato off the shelf. <laughs> the thing is, too, why specifically potato? Like, I'd like to think of it as like a Devo thing. It was like, well, we're all spuds, really, aren't we? <laughs> but, uh, I was like, is this some sort of a front where like Robert's invited the Irish guy on to talk about the minute with the potatoes? teaching right?
0: prominently? Yeah. You tell me why it's potatoes. You're the expert. I don't know. Cause it like
1: the fact that the potatoes dressed up is like, well, potatoes all come from the same thing in the ground. They're always at the same basic thing yeah. until you decorate them with whatever. So it's kind of like a, a metaphor for humanity in itself. It's like, well, we're all the same until you put on all the affectations of other stuff.
0: Yeah. You're still just a potato.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You take it, take it all away. You're just a potato. So maybe that's what they're going for. But like, and then how that tie into a movie that's delving into people's actual psyches right. and stuff. Is that saying, like, oh, we're, we're more than just potatoes, though? Because everyone inside has their own individual, like, chasms going on of, of different information, and everyone is unique inside and stuff. And
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, a... imagine if, like, later in the film, we see she has a shelf of just potatoes with no outfits. Mm.
1: <laughs> She's like, well, sometimes I forget to buy dinner. So I keep the, yeah. <laughs> the potato shelf empty. And, and
0: and Joel gets up from the couch and goes over to across the room to look at these potatoes. He looks at them close up.
1: Yeah. I would be that's the things I'd be I am fascinated by the potatoes so.
0: yeah her place is cluttered but those potatoes stand out
1: I, I am a, a bit intrigued though because I do know from well being Irish and uh having <laughs> having kept you know bags of potatoes for longer than I should have they sprout like yep. little things come out of them yeah because they're actually trying to grow back into the ground yeah so I wonder if does clementine have to come and like prune the potatoes every once in a while because otherwise they're gonna like or did she seal them sp-
0: with something so they don't grow. Could
1: be that too. Or maybe she just baked them. Oh, maybe. They're like, yeah, baked potatoes.
0: <laughs> but then they'd still eventually grow some sort of mold. So did she make these all in a short time frame? Maybe. I don't even know how long potatoes last. <laughs> I've never tried to keep one. Huh?
1: But now the physics, yeah. If you like like a bonsai tree, she has to come over and trim the potato, <laughs> change Take outfits, off all the outfits,
0: take off their growths,
1: put the outfits in the washing machine.
0: <laughs> See, interesting potato thing as well is when they do grow those things. Technically, the potato is still edible. Oh yeah, but they become dangerous. There's
1: many times I've just been like, I just just. But you're peeling it, just take those off dope. Right. That's fine. And doing that it's, it's once is mind. fine.
0: If you did that on a regular basis, it would poison you uh-huh. because they, I forget what acid it is, but when they have growing those things, they get more and more acidic uh- <laughs> and it can actually be
1: toxic. Oh, wow. So uh, this might be my last podcast. Uh, I <laughs> tell people I had a good run. I also know too. Yeah, apparently if they turn green at all. Mm, that's like, yep. do not eat that. Right, that is a potato warning. I that's when that
0: is taken over, and you, you yeah. don't eat that. I
1: don't know if it's a genetic thing after the potato blight <laughs> back in the famine, but I'm like, don't eat it then. But of the other white things, you can you can pull those off and, uh, and eat the rest of it. That's fine. Yeah. So we get them, you know, in your new potential partner's place. Yeah, and it's awkward, and you're kind of just sitting. You don't really, you can't make yourself comfortable, right? Because you don't know them that well yet. Ironically.
0: And she's just off in the kitchen making drinks. So what's he going to do?
1: Yeah. Can't even sink into the sofa properly. You just feel like you're kind of perched and stuff. It's like, it's it's really capturing it very, very well. Yeah. And he
0: he sort of fixes his hair, Mm. which is funny because he's not by a mirror that we can see, but he's checking his hair.
1: (laughs) I just making sure it's still there. You know, don't want to come down with whatever. Ned virus. He doesn't want to
0: be Ned the
3: head.
1: (laughs) Oh man. The Clementine going out with Ned the head. That's a, that's a spit up. I don't think we need. see. Like, we don't need two people that loud.
2: No,
0: <laughs> no.
1: It's a Clementine. Now don't tell me you don't remember me. Cause I sure as heck. remember you. Oh, like, and
0: Ned would totally make start. He'd start singing. Yeah. He would make jokes. better <laughs> He couldn't help it.
1: But just getting like the note, then like, you know, Clementine <laughs> Kaczynski has had you were from her memory. What? <laughs> Take it off the hat and see if it revised. <laughs> He's like, buying
0: <laughs> memory insurance. <laughs> if she erases you, you get money. Perfect. Uh-huh. That's how Lacuna makes money. Like they can't charge for their business. This has been a problem for me, especially the last couple episodes. You can't charge people for something that they can't remember.
1: Oh, that's true. Then they would be like, why am like,
0: I? I'm getting billed by this company on a regular basis and I don't know if they ever did anything for me. And what are they going to do?
1: I never thought that that actually is like, that's one of those things that would be in a cinema sins bullshit like the plot hole of eternal sunshine right but it actually is the
0: plot hole is that they erased that you went there
1: yeah somehow
0: he has to get one of those little postcards just like everyone else does telling them that he's someone's been erased he needs one that says, "You just erase someone, just in case you have some."
1: Every time, then you would be like, "I have to go to, I'm going to get the police involved, or I'm going to go to my lawyer, because like this company has not charged me for a service. I I never heard of this company, right? And then they'd have to go then and be like, "Okay, this happens all the time." And then they just you erase that case from
0: the police people's brain, and they don't even know what he's talking about.
1: And then every time, then it'll be like you know, your lawyer come back to you and be like, no, you did get their services, but you can't remember it. And it's like, well, I did it for, we can't tell you because you're not supposed to remember. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. That, that, no, that's, unless they were doing it in like uh, you know, Superman three office space way where they're like, they get paid over a, you know decades and they just take out minor bits of money over your lifetime or something. Yeah.
0: They, they take little pennies off of all of your transactions for the rest of your life.
1: But that is not a business model at all. But like, no, nah, that, that wouldn't work either because then who, who knows how long anyone's going to live. Like, there's no guarantee you're going to get that money paid off. And the, the business would have taken like Tom Wilkinson would have had to start it when he was like 12. Right. <laughs> like, to finally be able to get the thing up and running properly. So
0: I think we'll, we'll I'll have to get into this when Tom Wilkinson shows up in the movie is he has to be doing this as a charity. Mm. He just mm. really cares about people being able to erase their race. <laughs> <minis. laughs> That's important.
1: And just like everyone, it's like, oh, it seems like a nice, decent guy. Tell Malcolm's in. (laughs) Nope. He's got his motivations for, you know, having uh, people. Well, you'll get into all that. Like why yeah. Corson Dunst had things erased and stuff. Whether right. oh, it yeah. was his influence or whatnot. But, but yeah, that, that's the thing. I never considered that. And now that is going to be like every time someone brings up eternal sunshine, I'm going to be like, consider this.
0: I just thought of a horrible question. Like on two minutes about time, we were always like, what time in your life would you want to relive if you had the chance and like that? Like this one would be like, who do you want to erase from your brain <laughs> and why?
1: I do like the final line, though, of the minute with, like, you know, drink up, play a good man. Like, it makes the whole seduction much less repugnant. When
0: she's standing, like, right up against him. Yeah. Like, she yeah. has, I think there's a coffee table there, which is why she's so close, but she basically squeezed into that space between the couch and the coffee table with him mm. and then says, I'll make the whole seduction part less repugnant. I'm like,
1: wow. <laughs> But the thing is, though, it's like I kind of admire it for the the sheer honesty of uh-huh. it. Where it's like it's true. <laughs> it's like, well, Zeno knows why he's there. She knows why he's there. Let's just get it out in the open. And it's like, yeah, it'll make the whole seduction much less repugnant. You know, you don't like to think of a seduction as being repugnant, but if you just want to get over the horse,
0: she's got that radical honesty thing going. Yeah. But she also has a bit too much volunteerism of it. Mm. Like you can be honest when people ask you questions, you know, Jim Carrey, liar, liar, but you don't have to volunteer.
1: Yeah. And that's just the, the beautiful contrast of the two characters. Joel would never say that because Joel barely ever says anything. Right. <laughs> Whereas Clementine will flat out just tell you what she wants to do and how to get there. So.
0: Yeah. And she calls him young man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Although. Then considering like Jim Carrey is probably like what, 43 here. She's right, probably yeah. like 25 well, or something. <laughs>
0: like, basically she's pulling like a Nathan maneuver on him.
1: Ah, yeah. He's
0: establishing his reactions by forcing them. Mm.
1: It's
0: like I'm going to be so honest. You won't be able to say no, <laughs> which is problematic in a way.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. Oh, but then it will be like, you know, like you want me to make a blue ruin.
0: I just thought of a, whole
1: I already lot. made one <laughs> 35 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought of a horrible version of this story. Like someone erases you because the relationship went badly and you just go like hook up with them again. Mm-hmm. But you didn't get them erased. You're just doing it because you're like Nathan yeah. or Phil. <laughs> I
1: think that, that 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 will have been if there was like a expanded like Oof. eternal sunshine universe. Yeah. That's bad. That would have, have been it. an episode of the TV show version. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Or someone like yeah. purposely
0: talks you into having them erase because they know that the breakup isn't going well for you. And then they just find you again the next night mm. and start a new relationship. Mm. Oof.
1: It'd just be that thing too. Like it's in uh, Men in Black when you see like Will Smith noting Tommy Lee Jones interacting with Linda Florentino. Yeah. And just like, have you met this lady before? Yeah, a couple times. Like, have you ever flashy thing to her? Yeah, yeah, a few times. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's like, you know, this woman's like, I've never met this man before. It's like, yeah, I've met her many, many times. I've had right? many interactions with this lady. She doesn't remember any of them. And I'm fine with that because that's how I conduct myself. It's much more insidious though. If it's like, yeah, we dated yeah. many, many times. <laughs> like, And she doesn't remember any of it. Well,
0: right. Like. Why is Kirsten Dunst still working there? Mm. When you had her erase your affair, get her a job somewhere else.
1: Wasn't there a TV show on HBO Max actually recently with, we call it Christy Marie Leonard, the mother from How I Met Your Mother. And
0: I think there was something like
1: she discovered that her mind had been erased and she had been... Oh, yeah, yeah. Something. Like, I didn't watch it. I remember seeing like one Christine, episode. Christine uh, Milioti. Oh, sorry. Christy Marie Leonard. Where the hell is going getting that from?
0: <laughs> but, yeah, and that's a tech billionaire who she's uh, made for love. Yeah, I think it's like she... Yeah, she's... Basically lives with Nathan Mm. from Ex Machina and he starts tracking her brain and erasing things. Yeah. And then she leaves him.
1: They kind of did make the Eternal Sunshine TV show. It was just under a different name. And And it's (laughs) it's quite
0: dark. It's kind of like this movie where it seems nice and happy and bright and friendly until you really think about what it's doing. Yeah. Cautionary tale. Mm.
1: I have to have to look up now. Who's Christy Marie Leonard? Where did I get that name
0: from? (laughs) You invented someone. Huh? Oh, that is a person. Oh, Christina Marie Leonard <laughs> is an actress best known for something called Riley Rewind. What
1: is that? I have never heard of that
0: show. <laughs> how do I know this lady? If that's a time loop thing, this is perfect. A teenager with the ability to travel back in time tries to prevent a fellow student from committing suicide. Oh, wow. Maybe this I had a TV this, series. Maybe I had
1: the TV show erased from my memory. <laughs> like All Wait, I can remember is the name. How do you have a
0: TV? I have to watch this show.
1: <laughs> oh. Let's see. So I know this Christina Marie, Everlasting Dracula. A it's, it's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know any of these things. How the hell do I know this lady? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah maybe now. But like oh, like Christina Marie Lanner's getting a little note through her door. Like, oh, my God, has had you erased from his memory. <laughs> 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 so you do not promote any of your projects in this general person.
0: She may come up on my shows again, though, because this Riley Wine might be a time loop of the week kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Dracula in a woman's prison. <laughs> this feels like a thing I would have, I would remember <laughs> eh, going through there. No,
0: see, you've watched all of her things and then you erased it. So you could experience them again. I'm, but I'm, you erased it too.
1: Well, you haven't gotten back to them. Misandry of Valentine's day story. Oh man. <laughs> all of these titles sound very intriguing to be fair. Maybe I shouldn't look back into this. lady to find out yeah. one who she is and two, why I would have erased her in the first place.
0: And I'll see if I can get her on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, <laughs> anything else on Eternal Sunshine?
1: No, no, just great, great movie. And yeah, and revisiting it for the show, discovered that it really holds up. <laughs> it's actually still very, very good. Yeah. Now I'm getting to the point of like actually feeling old. I've been like nearly 20 years later. Right. But it still feels like, oh, that came out like yeah, a couple of years ago. I was like, no, nope, nearly 20 years ago.
0: So if listeners want to hear you be just as succinct as that, where can they do so?
1: Well, you can hear me talk a lot more about Jim Carrey. <laughs> Like, like 120 odd episodes Oof. in the midst of Batman and Robin and uh, yeah we've covered the, the two Tim Burton movies too those are all the, the seasons we've near enough completed Yeah, as anyone will tell you there's no shortage of a Batman movie nope. so we'll we'll be around <laughs> for a while yet yeah you can find that on all good podcatchers and all good social media sites if you just type in Batman in.
0: so thank you for listening Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts tuned in every Tuesday for Minutia X Machinare Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project, minute by minute, and every Thursday for more Eternal Sunshine. Follow this show on, well, any of your social media. It should show up. It's got Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can find links to those things at lemmingdrops.com. Or join the Facebook group, Lemming Drops Studio Tour. You can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. Let it blow,
2: let it blow.
3: You know, uh, after this year's so-called Oscar race, <laughs> I realized that dancing for the man just ain't where it's at. And I decided right then and there, that no matter what they tried to take away from me, I was gonna be who I really am. to accept this award on behalf of uh, my new biker friends I'd like to thank MTV for throwing this little shindig giving us an excuse to party one more time I got a little bone to pick with the programming department you know, I like rap music as much as the nice frightened Caucasian. But you know what it kill you every once in a while to play a little fog hat. And last, but definitely most important to me, I'd like to thank all the ladies dressing up so pretty. There's some fine looking in this room tonight, I'll tell you that much. You're all going in my fantasy file, I'll tell you that. I don't care who your daddies are. Hey, is that chick from the Ricky Martin video going to be at the party? <laughs> I don't know who she is, man, but i mean to find out. Let it flow, let it blossom, let it go. In the sun, the rain, the snow.
0: Love is lovely.
3: Let it flow, baby.
2: countries and religions and, uh, and I find it all so abstract. Why am I an American? Why am I Canadian? What is that? What does that mean? Somebody put a line down and said, this is that, you know, uh, you know, we're so much more, And we like are born into a family. So we're told what our family name is. And then your parents choose a name and they say, your name will be Joel. It means the awesomeness of Yahweh, you know, and you have to live up to that dude. And, uh, we're counting on, you not to make us look bad and you're gonna go to Harvard and you're gonna be a doctor and you're gonna be, and by the way, you're a Catholic or you're a Jew or you're, you know, whatever you are. It's like, everything is so, are these abstract structures that you're given. And and it's supposed to hold you together somehow, you know? And I've just given them up, you know? I don't need to be held together. I'm fine just floating through space like Andy, you know, just flying 6,000 miles an hour around the sun, you know, balancing on tectonic plates that are floating on lava, you know, ready for the end times to occur and whatever the hell is gonna happen. I'm just great. That's, that's all great. That's all great. Humanoids have long felt the need to escape the rigors of life through streaming content. And it is I, only I, who possess the necessary skills to fulfill that need. It is my purpose. You're on a spiritual journey, period, and we're all going to end up in the same place if there is such a thing, and maybe there isn't, maybe it's just this and that's it. There's me in the teacup. That's it. There's us. We're the universe, man. I like that. That's fine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say about all this. Yeah. I think I'm tapped out. Okay. You know, unless, uh, I wonder, I wonder if I could do that with other people. I wonder, I wonder what would happen if I decided to just be Jesus. Wow, we got into some crazy shit there, man.